All right, everybody's grabbing their coffee, getting back in here. Let me just say this as people are walking back in. Um, come on, Mike. I know you're going to share a testimony. Um, you know, y'all just, y'all are so good. You're so good to me and to Wendy. You, you're so patient. You let me be me, which I love. And you don't laugh at me when I sweat, which I love, right? Um, but I want you to know this, like, you know, when we have moments like that with Justin and Libby and the family, man, I don't, I don't sweat because I'm nervous. Y'all don't make me nervous. It's just like, this is such a, to me, that's such a sacred moment, right? It's like, I don't want to mess that up. I want them, to, I mean, I just want y'all to know how much we love you and appreciate you and all the things. And um, anyway, thanks for not throwing things at me when that happens, which is good. Hey. hey. All right, so now I'm going to let the bald one share a testimony. I do. Um, again, this past week, I heard Anya give, she shared that with me in the coffee shop. I was like, you've got to share that. And then Mike shared this with me, and I was like, you've got to share that. And I love that. You know, I know a lot of people come to church to hear the pastor. I come to church to hear the Holy Spirit, right? So if it happens to happen through me, that's cool. But sometimes he likes to speak through other people as well. So um, I give you my promise, like I'm... You shouldn't be looking at the clock, but I do look at the clock, and I know what time it is, all that thing. But I'm going to let Mike share, and then we're just going to see where the Holy Spirit goes with that. And if not, if we don't have a lot of time, I'll give you like the five-minute thumbnail sketch of what I was going to say, and then you can come back next week, and we'll give you more. But You ready? Come on. Uh, that, that, that word, more, that's, that's my prayer. That's been my prayer since encounter. God has done a miraculous move in my life. There's few people that know some of the, the details that I've shared with of how God has just been speaking to me. And, and, and more is what I pray. More of you, God, no matter what it looks like. Lord, matter of fact, I don't even know what it looks like to have more of you, but I want it. Just bring it. Whatever it is, just bring it. So last Saturday, I'm, I'm, I'm needing some meat for the house, and so I, I call Fine Family Farms. Because a friend of ours, Cecil and Debbie, friends of ours, Cecil and Debbie said, great place to get good meat. So I call, and there's a little franticness in the voice. And uh, Missy uh, is on the phone, who's the, one of the proprietors there. And um, she says, I'd love to help you today, but my father has just been rushed to the hospital in critical condition. They've called in hospice. And um, I'm getting a hold of the family. I said, oh, meat's not important. That's exactly what I said. What's his name? And she said, Harold. I said, do you mind if I pray with you over the phone? She says, sure. So I pray. I don't even have a clue what I prayed, but I prayed. I prayed with fervency. I prayed with heart. I prayed with, give me more, Jesus. Give me more. And um, when we were done, um, I said, I'll get a hold of you later on in the week to get some meat if that would be okay. I realized that things are there. So it was all the way till Thursday. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to get meat on Saturday. So I need to try to get it before then because I had plans for it. And so call on Thursday. And Missy answers the phone. Oh, I've been, I've been looking for your number. I need, to, I need to talk to you. And she said, you know, we prayed. I said, oh, yeah, we prayed. Yeah. She says, let me tell you. And I went, okay, I'm listening. And she says, well, first of all, 
I get to the hospital, and the doctor's looking at me bewildered, bewildered and says, you need to take Harold home. He's done a 180. Come on. Come on now. This is a man on his deathbed with hospice, and he's done a 180. She says, next. She says, next. He hasn't walked for a month. He walked out of the hospital on his own two feet. Come on. Give Jesus the glory, man. Give him the glory. And then he gets in the parking lot and does this. And goes, how do you like that to his family? Come on now. Is that something? That is our Jesus. That's what he does. Give us more, Lord. Give us more. So with the excitement about then she says, oh, and by the way, Remember that piece you prayed about for us? And I'm like, no, I didn't really remember. But I was like, I'm not going to tell her I didn't remember because I don't know what I prayed. I was just praying in fervency. Lord, just, this is real. This family needs a touch. They need you. you got to show up and show yourself real. I always pray that. Show yourself real. And he does. And, and he did. And she said, well, me and my sisters, we used to have this Bible study and prayer. And I, I told them about your prayer on Saturday. And then, of course, the crazy stuff that was happening when we get to the hospital and the doctors. And, and they still want hospice there. And they, another thing, they put this mask on them. And I, I don't know anything about this stuff. But they said to him, when you put this mask on, it will never come off again. And I don't know whether there's some kind of breathing help or something because he had some struggles on. And he didn't have it on but maybe five minutes or so. And he's ripping it off. I can't breathe with this thing on. i got to have it off. But they said he had to have it. But no, he didn't. Jesus said, no, you don't. No, you don't. So then... She says, my sisters and I, we used to have Bible study and pray all the time. We haven't done that for so long, but we haven't missed a day since Saturday. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's good stuff. So then the peace, the peace is the really cool thing. All the family's in because, you know, Harold was on his deathbed and hospice is there and he's not going to make it. So they're calling the family and they're coming. So now the family's all together and there's such a peace. So Thursday, uh, Friday, Harold says, hey, I think we should probably get everything ready for my funeral. Don't know when that's going to be, he says, but if it's tomorrow, we're all ready. Because, you know, Harold gave his heart to the Lord a long time ago. He said, but if not, and it's 10 years from now, it'll all be ready. So that's what they were doing on Friday. And they said, we all had such a peace about it. And it's just such a great testimony of the love and the wonderful, wonderful, wonderfulness of our God and how much he loves everyone individually. And don't ever hesitate to think that your prayer doesn't matter. It's what makes the difference. Amen. Well, just one more quick thing, if you don't mind, because, you know. This is, yeah, a, this, this is a powerful verse. It's a powerful verse. And, and, and I've been standing on this verse for several years. I used to do things that were called um, uh, uh, treasure hunts. And neat thing was we'd just, you know, be praying, getting worship, and hang out with God, and then say, okay, God, who do you want to touch today? And uh, one of the most memorable times, I was with a friend of mine, and we were in um, Lowe's. You know, that's the... the uh, always improving place. We had seven people get back healings in Lowe's while they're operating. Powerful. But um, the scripture stood on was in Matthew 10, 7 through 8. And as you go, man, that's every one of us. As we go, as we know the Lord, 
as we go. It's a command from our Lord. Preach. Preach what? All his kingdom is at hand, man. That means that it is tangible. It's at hand. You can grab a hold of it. The kingdom of God. It's so tangible and so real. And I stand on it. And then he says, heal the sick. Come on. Thank you, Harold. Thank you, Harold. Yeah. Mm. Raise the dead. What's going to happen? First day I met my wife, I told her. She looked at me like I was a lunatic. She said, what, what do you believe? I said, one day I'm going to raise the dead. She went, oh, my God. Because she was, she was this wonderful Church of Christ girl that, you know, it was a little different for her to hear something like that. And then he says, cleanse the lepers. Not only cleanse the lepers, he's talking about the sick. What he meant was, with that, that word there is cleanse the lepers. And the word, there was a word, I can't remember what it is in the Greek, but anyhow, what it literally means is uh, heal their minds. That's powerful. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the one I love, cast out demons. So many people, even in the church, the body, walking around with demons on them and in them and around them. You say, oh, that can't happen. Oh, yeah, it's real. Read your word. Read your word and it, it'll become very real to you. That's all I got. Thank you. I'm just waiting to make sure. Yeah. What's interesting is he read that last verse. What, do you remember the first three words? As you go. Why don't you stand for this? Matthew chapter 28. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God, just take these next few moments, I pray, and speak clearly what you want to say not what I want to say or we want to hear. And then give us the courage to live it. Because your kingdom is alive, expanding, growing, taking ground, and you invite us to be a part of it. And so today, God, show us that reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um. I think all I'm going to do probably is just read some more scripture, but write this down if you're a note taker. Jesus just said all authority was given to him, and so he sent us, he said, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. And then he said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm getting ready to read you 17 verses from John chapter 15, but I want you just to write this down just in case we don't get any further than this. Write down, we can't produce without presence. We can't produce without presence. And surely I am with you always. That's presence, right? Is God with you right now? He's with us always until the end of the age. That's the presence. We have to have that in order to do what we're getting ready to read in John 15. So just hang with me. They're going to be up on the, scripture, I mean on the screens for you. John chapter 15. This morning um, we are talking about, and then maybe we'll finish it next week, you know, we're in this family 
Matters series, and we've talked about family fights, and we've talked all these different things. Today we're talking about family, family multiplies, or family reproduces, because if family doesn't reproduce, family dies, right? So family reproduces, family multiplies. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Here we go. Jesus is talking because it's in the red letters. That's how we know. And he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more faithful. Just before we even go another verse, let me just explain to you how we read the scriptures. We, we typically hear and interpret scriptures. We did a series a while back called Filters. If you weren't here for it, I would strongly suggest you go on our website and find the series Filters. It's in past teaching, and it's all, it says this, how we see changes what we see, right? So the filter you're looking through changes how you see what you see. It doesn't change what you see. Like what you see is what you see, but it changes how you see it, how you perceive it. So depending on the filter that you and I have, I have come from religion. I have come from church hurt. I have come from the fear of letting people down. So when I read verse 2 and it says, he will cut off every branch that bears no fruit, I read that like, oh, holy cow, I better get busy, right? And if you're in the room and you have had those experiences, then you might hear it the same way too, okay? You with me so far? I, I want to make sure you, I'd rather make sure that I communicate a little and you get it than a lot and you don't. So help me out here. If you're like, kind of set free from that then you're going to read the, you're going to read past verse two and you can't wait to get to the good stuff right but some of us verse two is like i can't get past that like i'm so scared of being cut off the holy spirit's stronger than that right okay and you'll see that as we keep going so verse three and you can even see the way that this is worded that if you were if you were there and you could have watched Jesus speak these words to his disciples when he spoke them for the first time, you can see the progression of what's happening in this conversation. Because the very next verse three says, "You were already clean." Because I think Jesus said, "If you're not producing fruit, the Father's going to cut off the ones that aren't producing fruit, and he's going to he's going to prune and clean those so they can produce more fruit." And I think the disciples heard cut and clean and they were having that moment like most of us were going oh oh no I don't want that to happen to me and so Jesus said whoa 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 whoa! you're already clean you're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you and then as their breathing started to return normal y'all have anybody have an apple watch you check your heart rate all the time <laughs> when Jesus spoke first two, my heart rate went up but it's starting to come down now because verse three was a lot better and then we get to verse 4, and he says, I think he's still looking, and he can read their minds. He's like, they're wondering, how can I keep from being cut? Right? Because verse 2 says, we're all going to get cut. Either you're going to get cut because you're not bearing any fruit, or you're going to get cut so you can bear more fruit. But we're all going to get cut, right? And so they're like, how can I minimize the pain of the cut? And so Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
Um, parents in the room, raise your hand. If you say to your child four times in the same sentence, the same word, what are you really communicating? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Are y'all feeling the pain? Like, oh, I've lived it, right? It means you're, this is important, and you're not listening, right? Did you count remain in that verse? Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Four times in one sentence, or in one verse. As a matter of fact, that word remain, John, who's, who's writing this gospel, John loves that word. He uses it 11 times in this one chapter, four times in that one verse, 40 times in the gospel, and 27 times in the letters 1st and 2nd and 3rd John that he wrote later. You think he was trying to say something? What do you think it was? Remain, right? Like, remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm going to totally get this wrong, but there's an app or something that's called like IFTT. It's like if this, then that. And you can actually like go to their website and you can download their app and you can program things in your life. So if the lights turn on, then turn on Alexa, right? Like you can program things. If this happens, then this will happen. Y'all with me? You're like, I don't believe you. It's there, I promise. It's there. Somebody smarter than me programmed that, right? But you already live your lives this way. You already live your lives. It looks like this in your house. Honey, if you're the first one up, then you make the coffee, right? We already live this way. At your work, your boss might have said to the team, if you're the first in, then, and they told you things to do. We live program lives this way. And Jesus is saying this. I want you to get this, please, especially church hurt people. If you remain in me, then you might bear fruit. What does it say? Will. You will bear fruit. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. It's a guarantee. And he says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, again, your filter is going to change how you hear this. And so my filter, because I've had a fear filter for so long, is I focus on apart from me, you can do nothing. I better make sure I stay connected to Jesus so I can do something, right? But I want, I want us to get a different filter. I want us to see the filter from God's perspective. I want, him, I want us to see what Jesus is saying. You will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. My, my mom and dad, when I was growing up, they had an apple orchard, and I hated it. Because it was my job to pick the apples when they fell off the tree. And that meant that when you picked up the apples, they were nasty. Because that's why they fell off the tree, right? Because they had been on the tree too long. And, oh, it was just the worst. And then sometimes you would pick an apple, and it looked good, and you're like, oh, I found an apple that's good. I remember one time I took a bite of an apple, and I looked inside and saw half a worm. Which meant the other half was, right, I'm just making sure you're with me. It was gross. It was awful. Like, I've never spit stuff out of my mouth so fast in all my life, right? But you know what I never heard? 
I mean, all the times that we climbed trees in the orchard and we picked up apples off the ground, I never one time walked through that apple orchard and heard the trees do this. They never had to struggle to bear fruit. They just, I know y'all were thinking something different. I know. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sorry, honey. I, don't, I didn't know how to do it without sounding constipated. I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. But I'm, I'm free now. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Things are flowing. It's good. Sorry. But you get the point, right? Like trees, they, those apple trees, they just... Produce apples. If they're watered, if they're healthy, if they are taken care of, then they will produce fruit. And in case you don't, you miss this, that very first verse that we read, Jesus said, I am the true vine. And who is the gardener? My father. Can I please just set you free with this? Here's what this means. Anybody ever, and we're an honest group here. You figured that out, right? I mean, I just pretend like I was constipated. You can do anything here. So you can raise your hand. This is a raise your hand answer. Anybody ever lived in a season where you felt you weren't fruitful? Okay. All over the room, right? And what typically happens in that season is either we, we listen to a podcast or we go to a church and the pastor preaches some message that makes us feel really bad about being fruitless in our lives or it motivates us, I'm going to read the Bible more or I'm actually going to start reading the Bible or I'm going to witness to the first person I call about buying meat, right? We don't have to do any of that. If you're going through a season where you feel f- like you're not fruitful, then the, answer, the things to ask yourself aren't like, should I read the Bible more? Should I pray more? Should I do more? Should I, oh, I'm already tired of thinking about it. The, the question we should ask ourselves, am I remaining in the vine? And if I'm remaining in the vine, then I will bear fruit. Jillian, I'm sorry. I know you should never call people out, right? I did not ask permission to share this. I hope it does not embarrass you, but if it does, I'm sorry. So, Wendy and I, we went to Jay's Downtowner the other night. By the way, anybody, any seafood lovers in the house? Y'all know. Come on. I mean, if people ask you, what is there to eat in Albemarle? Mexican and seafood. That's it, right there. But we were at, we were at Jay's Downtowner, and um, it, was, it was great. We loved it. It's one of our favorite places to go. And I'm, I'm trying to not to tell too much, right, because I could just talk forever about how we always order too much food. But anyway, Jillian came over, and she greeted us because, you know, Jillian. Right? And she walked away. And this is, Jillian, this is what I'm, I said to you, about, to Wendy, about you. I love Jillian. Gosh, she just exudes joy. Right? Like, and, and Wendy's like, yeah, yeah. And I, and I said, and it doesn't even look like she's trying. She just is joyful. And I said, sometimes I don't feel like I'm joyful. Now, now, Wendy said, because she's probably because you're my wife, but I'm going to ex- assume that you weren't lying. She said, 
what? Like, oh, you're, you're, you're full of joy. But sometimes I feel like I just have to fake it. Sometimes I feel like I've plastered the smile on my face. It doesn't feel like it's coming out naturally. All that to say, like, I just, I see, and I, I so want that. So what's the answer to that? It's not fake it till you make it. It's I want to get more plugged. I want to be connected. I want to be attached. I want to be a branch with the vine because if I'm connected to the vine, then all the vine has is going to come to me. We don't have to try hard. We just, I don't, and unless I'm wrong, I don't think Julian wakes up in the morning and goes, well, it's going to be a horrible day today, but let's just go do the best we can, right? <laughs> I'm sure you have bad days. I'm sure you do. Vic's like, well, actually, uh, Paul nailed it. Nailed it right there. Now, like, it just, it just is natural. It's supernaturally natural, right? We can't produce without presence. And so when we're, when we're in the vine, that's the presence of God. He flows into our lives, and we just begin to produce fruit. That's why I had Ani share the testimony and why I had Mike share the testimony, because neither one of them made that happen, right? They lived at, they're living out Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, as you go. And literally in the Greek it means wherever you go, wherever you go, do these things. We've made it all about discipleship. It's about obedience. It's about following Jesus. Wherever you go, if you're um, going to speak on a Wednesday night to 20 people and wishing it was more, if you're buying meat. Whatever you're doing, as you do that, bear fruit. And if you are connected to the vine, you will, say will, you will bear fruit. Okay. Some of y'all are like, God, he's only on verse six. Let's keep going. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire, and burned. I've, I've read tons of commentaries. I'm just letting you know that this is about the analogy he's drawing, not about your salvation. Okay? He's got you. He can hold you. He's just saying, he's making sure we understand that like dead branches are picked up and thrown away. So stay connected. Be connected. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then he starts talking about love. And let's first drop down to verse 16. I think this is all I want to share and it will be done. I think. Verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, a lot of people want to get really theological there, like, well, does that mean that you have a choice? It means he chose me. <laughs> Hello, that's what it says, right? And he said this in a culture when the rabbi didn't choose the disciple. It usually worked the other way around. You would decide, oh, I like, there's five rabbis. Which one do I want to follow? I choose this one. That's how it typically worked. And you would go present yourself to that rabbi and say, I'd like to be your disciple. And Jesus is saying, that's not how it works in my kingdom. You might have walked up to me and thought you chose me. <laughs> Dude, I chose you. I saw you before the foundation of the earth. Right? He said to Nathaniel, oh, this is the guy that I saw under the fig tree? And Nathaniel was like, wait, do what? 
He chose you. He chose you. Man, we could stop right there. Some of you need to be reminded, like, you were chosen by him. He wanted you. He's not stuck with you. He chose you. Like, that should make you do this. That's right. Let's just suck your gut in a little bit. Stick your chest out. Right? And, and then, why did he choose us? I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Some translations say fruit that will remain. And so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father, the, in my name, the Father will give you, this is my command, love each other. Here's, um, just jot this down. You're chosen to bear fruit. The fruit comes from the love. He says, remain in my love. And if you remain in me and remain in my love, then you will bear fruit. We get it backwards. We try to bear a lot of fruit, hoping it will help us fall back in love with Jesus. Really practical example, and then we'll pray. Have you ever counseled a married couple who tells you that they're struggling, and then they'll say something, oh, I don't know what the right way to say this is, idiotic? Like, yeah, we're, our, our marriage is struggling, but we've decided to have a kid. That'll make it better. Y'all, I mean, if you're, if you're here and you're a young married couple and you don't have children, children will not fix your marriage. Children will test your marriage. Right? They are, children are great. I have three of them. I can't wait to have grandkids. No pressure if you're all watching kids, but... Like, I, I, love, I love it, but children do not make a marriage better, right? They test a marriage. It's like taking a ton of stress and putting it on a foundation that's already weak. And the more stress, the more pressure, the more the cracks are revealed and widened. That's good counseling right there if you're just about marriage. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. The fruit comes after the remaining. In other words, if you will be faithful, you will be fruitful. Right? Don't try to prove that you're fruitful if you haven't been faithful. Because spiritually speaking, that's like a couple that's having marriage issues, thinking a child or two or three will help. Yeah, we're really strapped for money, so we're going to have triplets. What? No. Get the foundation right, and then everything else will flow from that. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you remain in me, then you will be fruitful. All right. Three things for y'all to jot down really quickly, and then we'll go eat. I, did I say I was already done? I'm sorry. I lied. Get over it. And this is just for y'all that need, some, some of you, if I can't be the only one. I've been talking about remaining, remaining, if you remain in me. Is there anybody else in the room who's like, that sounds great, but how do I do that? That's just how I think, right? So here's your three ways that you remain. Number one, it means accepting Jesus as your Savior. John, this is, again, John is the one that uses remaining a lot. John said in John 6, 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood 
remains in me and I in them. That's Jesus talking. He's talking about following him, receiving him as your Savior and as your Lord. He says, if you do these things, if you receive me, and re then you remain in me. Remain in me. It means accepting Jesus as your Savior. Here's the second thing it means. It means to continue or persevere in believing. John chapter 8, 31, verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. All right, so here's three things that are going to help us remain. Number one, Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. I've committed my ways to him, right? And number two, his word matters in my life, right? That's what he said. If you remain faithful to my teachings, you're truly my disciples. And then third, it means believing and loving obedience. John chapter 15, verses 9 and 10, the same chapter that we're in right now. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Obedience. So here's how you remain. You follow him as Lord. You cherish his word. And you obey. posted something this week on social media that's always a problem about trusting and obeying and somebody responded back I, I, you know there's a song that that goes trust and obey for there's no other way y'all heard that right it's a hymn so I posted trust and obey there actually really is no other way and somebody responded I, I didn't know that we lived in an age of obedience I thought that that we were set free from that that it was an age of grace what that's not what I said back, you know. But what I did say back was uh, grace enables obedience. So, again, back to the filter, and then we're going to pray. Because I think there's a lot of religion that needs to get healed. I'm talking to myself, right? When Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, I used to read that as, if I don't keep your commands, I don't love you. Right? And that's when you're coming from a performance-based place. You better do these things so you can earn my love. But what Jesus is saying is, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Like, my grace will enable you to do these things. I heard a man preach one time, and he said this, before you come to Christ, the Ten Commandments are, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. And after you come to Christ, the Ten Commandments read like this, Hey, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Because you have the grace of God enabling you to shall not do those things. That's the difference. And what I want for us more than anything else is to get this. If we remain in him, we will bear fruit. Like, if we remain in him, there will be so many souls being saved in our, in our county. That we'll be like, what do we do with these people? right? And we won't have to have a program, try to figure it all out. It'll just be like, where are all these rabbits coming from, right? All the bunnies are coming from the closet where you put two bunnies in, and now there's a thousand. We're just, we're just serving Jesus. We're just loving Jesus. We're just being faithful. We're just remaining, and as we remain, as we call about meat, as we minister at churches, we're bearing fruit, 
If you remain, you will bear fruit. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for a church that loves your word and doesn't throw things at me because the service got a little bit longer because I, I, we just love your word, God. We love to break it open and talk about it. And then we love more than anything to bring you glory as we do it. And I just want to pray over the gathering this morning that we would that we would eat food and have conversation free from this religious need to prove anything. Man, God, you, you are setting your people free to know that as we just remain in you, as we love you and love your word and obey it, the fruit takes care of itself. And so I pray, you know, the way you've lined this whole service up, from the, the minute we started singing that song, First Love, God, it's like, yes, that, that's it. Take us back to that, where you are our first love, and where we know that because we are in love with you, the fruit comes later. And from that place, God, I pray that we would, man, see the kingdom explode with fruit. And because we've remained in you, that means the fruit that we produce that comes from us, that fruit will also remain in you and produce fruit that remains in you and more fruit. And, God, this is how you win. And I just pray the blessing of that kind of abundance on the gathering. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.